0: The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord, to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One of my sisters, when she lived in New York worked as a recruiter for a big company, big multinational company, prestigious company. And she would go to career fairs, like we had this last week here at IU, and recruit students to be interns at this company. And after she'd been there for a few weeks or so, we were talking on the phone and I was asking her how it was going, what schools she had visited, what schools she will visit, and she seemed to really enjoy the job and all that good stuff. And after she listed maybe 8 to 10 schools, I don't remember the number or the schools, but I remember them being very good schools. After she listed those schools, I asked her, oh, that's great. Like, that'll get you through a couple weeks here. What, what's, what other schools are you going to visit? And she said, well, that's it. That's the only schools we visit. And I realized in that conversation, probably something I had known for years, but the importance of why people get so ambitious about what schools they go to. The students at those schools had a much greater opportunity of getting a prestigious internship with this big corporation than someone else at a good school as well because they happen to go to a different school. And I realized like all those things that I had been told in high school by our college guidance counselors, like it's really important that you're ambitious and you do well in school and you get into a good college because you want to get a good job. Now, quick little autobiographical aside, I don't know if I suffered from lack of ambition but I never really cared about what my career would be. By the time I got to be about 18, 19 years old, I figured I'd try to make it as a teacher or a writer for a couple of years and then I'd go and work for my dad because I really liked that, architectural sheet metal being that attractive uh, career that it is. And um, I just, you know, I figured that's what I would end up doing and if all else failed, I'd become a priest and we see how that worked itself out. <laughs> um, so, third choice, right? Um, but no, like, I, I never went to a career fair, I never talked with a recruiter, I never got an internship except for a journalism internship in college, because I had to for a class. And I just never thought that way. But then I realized, like, ambition's an important thing. Like, that's why we go to schools. And then I got assigned here and started meeting students who are like, their first week on campus, and they know their major, and they know they want to be for their career, and they know what they're going to do with their life. And it's impressive, but it's also, like, intimidating to me as, like, a 31-year-old new priest thinking, like, they know more about their life than I do. But ambition can and can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Ambition that leads to pride is a bad thing, because it puts me ahead of everything else. If I do this, then I can do that. If I do this for myself, then I can do this for others. When our turn when the gospel is trying to teach us today that it's not about what people do for me or what I get out of it, but it's what I can do for others. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not blessed are those who are wealthy. Blessed are those who mourn, not blessed are those who never go through life without an emotional problem. To be a Christian, and this is the, like, the foundation of our Christian life, is to recognize that All of my ambition should point toward God. And in doing that, then my life starts to make infinite sense and starts to have an exponential impact on those people who are around me. And so, what are we left to do then? Well, it's not to say that we shouldn't be ambitious, especially to you students out there. You should be ambitious. You should desire to do great things. We need saints who are financial, you know, financial, uh, uh, whatever, analysts. We need saints who are doctors. We need saints who are lawyers we want to change the world, we change it by being holy in what we're doing. So don't lack ambition, but let's try and figure out how to be the most ambitious in a way that is pleasing and brings glory to God, because that's the only way we find happiness. And if there's one message that comes through today clearly in the first reading, but also every time we come to Mass, it is that humility is a great and noble pursuit, and we should be more humble. The first thing we do when we come into Mass, after we make the sign of the cross, is we recognize that we're sinners. We recognize and we celebrate in the Eucharist the fact that God became a man and that he then gives himself to us. He debases himself so that he can lift us up. He debases himself so that we can recognize that in making ourselves low before God we can do great and wonderful things, but we need humility. And what is humility? Yesterday, the Church celebrated the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, as far as I'm concerned, the most important and influential Catholic thinker in the history of the Church. And St. Thomas Aquinas talks about humility and all of the other virtues extensively, and he lists humility under the virtue of temperance. Now, temperance is not, we always think of the temperance movement as being like not drinking alcohol, but temperance is, according to Thomas, the use of our reason to moderate our passions. So we are thinking and feeling beings, but we have this great gift of thinking, and so temperance allows us to use our ability to think to control the irrationality of our emotions and passions. So what is humility? Humility for Thomas is the internal response, the internal thinking. False humility for Thomas, false humility for us is something we put on for other people, something that we put on deliberately and it's external. For Thomas, humility is when we are given an accolade, or when we're given a success and we recognize that it's not necessarily all of our work. Or instead of someone saying, you did really good on this test, have you ever thought about being an accountant? We think of ourselves as being the greatest accountant ever and we're the best and whatnot. It actually moderates that goal. It moderates that emotional high so that it keeps everything within right reason. Now for Thomas, though, he says very clearly In fact, we should never let up our ambition. Our ambition shouldn't be throttled by humility, but our ambition should become confidence in God. That I seek after whatever I'm doing with my life because I am supremely confident that God is the one who is deigning this. God is the one who is moving this. God is the one who is making it possible for me. And then we are made low before God, and we can put into practice what St. Paul tells us in the second reading today. We can be the fools who help the wise understand the world. Because to be a Christian, to really believe, to really live what the church is asking us to live is to some people, to many people, perhaps most people in this society, foolish, dumb, uneducated. But when we actually make ourselves humble before God, we put our confidence in Him, we can simply just by living in that reality start to help to teach others. That the person with the PhD, the three PhDs and you know, the accolades and the medals can learn from the man on the street. That there's nothing we can't teach someone else, we can't help someone else do if we are humble. And so the challenge is for each of us is to recognize in Christ Jesus, in the man who went to the cross, who died for our sins, an example, an encouragement, and perhaps even a goad for each of us to recognize that our strength comes from Him. Our love comes from Him. All of the good, the beautiful, and the true things in this world are the result of His love for us. And so, let us join that company who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful. Because if the world has more of those, the world has more Christians, And if the world has more people who follow after the life and example of Jesus, it is a better place. And so, may we have the strength to go out and do it, and the courage to do it in the face of opposition.